Hey, this is Tim. I wanted to thank everyone for their support. Remind you that you can help us out by leaving us a rating on iTunes, subscribe to the show, give us some feedback to your family and friends. We also have a click-through link for Amazon. Go to InsideBJJ.com and use the click-through link. Helps us out a lot. Thank you very much, and we hope you enjoy the show. John Mayer and Keith Krikorian both make the ladies cry. Fat bastards will never help you jumpstart your car. Stuffing your ego is worse than stuffing your face. Phil Schwartz joins the program to talk about the three-way tie coming into the Shugio Finals, whether or not it's okay to cry in jiu-jitsu, the excellence of Nate Orchard. Then I recap the feeble-minded, gorked, half-witted, held-back, lame-brained, mentally defective, moronic, numbskull, sappy, simple-minded, slow-witted, weak, Reddit jiu-jitsu message board we talk about jerk off jiu-jitsu a new way to get tapped using the ab flex technique and tales from the taint a new lesson in stinky triangles today on the inside bjj podcast i'd like to present not seen before i think you want you want everybody to smoke weed hey, this is voice gracie and you're listening to the inside bjj podcast I think they want to smoke weed. That's racist. Another racist. That's racist. Another racist. This is Kurt Ochiander. This is Inside BJJ Podcast. Damn it. Jiu-Jitsu sucks. Damn it. I think you want, you want everybody to smoke weed. Well, this is so good. This is an actual And you're listening to the Inside BJJ Podcast. Welcome to the Inside BJJ Podcast, the world infamous. I am your host, Tim Freeman. Thank you for joining the program today. In just a few minutes, we're going to chat with my good friend, Phil Schwartz. Talk a little bit. Shugio, man, that's heating up. If you're not watching Shugio Invitational, you're missing it. If you're spending all your time on Reddit BJJ forums, you're missing it. For real. That's what I think about you and your bullshit posts on Reddit. Um, no, man, you should be watching it out. You can check it out. Go to the Shugio, S-H-U-G-Y-O.com. We're going to talk to Phil in a few minutes. Uh, coming down to the finals on that. So it's pretty dope, man. So looking forward to to that. I uh, want to thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for putting the word out. Thank you for leaving the good reviews. Thank you for the positive feedback. It's fascinating to me how much we help each other in the jujitsu community. It's just, it's, it's really impressive, man. We're all kind of leaning into each other and getting through this. And there's a lot of dudes who are really tough. They're high level competitors and they don't give a fuck. They don't need that. But there's the other 97% of us are just pretty regular dudes trying to see our way through it. Pretty regular people trying to, you know, use jujitsu as a way to have a lot of fun because it's awesome. Grappling's fun. And to be an expert at something, like to apply yourself to something that's really difficult and to try to become the best you can be 
and to try to push the best you can be to be considered great, it's a big deal, man. It's a real big deal. And I really enjoy the process and I really, really dig the people that are in the process with me. For me, that's one of the most fascinating parts of jujitsu. It's one of the most fascinating parts of having this podcast is getting to talk to people who are applying themselves the same way that I am. It's pretty dope. So, uh, really love that about what, what we're doing. Um, what's going on, man? This week has been a pretty good week so far. Started off, you know, I, I've just, I'm, I'm learning how to pace myself a little bit better. I'd love to train like twice a day, every day. It's just a little trickier to do depending on who I'm training with. Uh, and, you know, I try to train <clears throat> with everybody. But on Monday night, I had uh, someone cover class for me so I could take the lovely, the lovely Estella to go see uh, John Mayer. What it is. Yeah, what it is is what it is. I like John Mayer. You know, I know he's got some pop songs and stuff, but the ladies like John Mayer, that's for sure. Uh, but we went and saw him at the new arena in San Francisco. Hey, San Francisco, good job fucking up parking again. God damn, that's so hard to park over there. Jesus. Ridiculous. 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 Just, dude, this should be part of San Francisco. Any place that's going to build an arena, you should just have to put a parking garage right next door to it. And if it's got to be 20 fucking stories, then let's make it 20 stories. There needs to be ample parking. It's ridiculous. And in San Francisco, there's always the fucking side garages charging. You know, some of these motherfuckers want $60 to park your car. 60 bones to park. Lame. But I get there, man. So we take off. It takes a little while to get to San Francisco from Stockton. Uh, it took about an hour in 20 minutes, 30 minutes. It wasn't too bad. Actually, it was pretty good time. Uh, you know, if there's no traffic, it's not that bad. It's like an hour and 10, hour and 15 with no traffic. You just zip right over. But with traffic, it could be like three hours to get into the city. It just takes forever. Get across the bridge, go through the Bay Area. It's a hassle, man. But uh, we made good time. We got there. We had a nice dinner at uh, Roy's restaurant, which I like Roy's kind of fancy. And the lady, the lady pulled us move, you know, we're going to a concert. Stella and I, you know, we're, we're past a lot of, a lot of shit for a lot of things. And on Monday night, we're like, look, we're not trying to get all dressed up and decked out to go see John Mayer. We just want to be fucking comfortable and have a nice time, you know, um, and enjoy, enjoy the music, enjoy each other. And so, you know, we went kind of casual and Roy's is a little, I wouldn't call it fine dining. I wouldn't call it upscale. It's just a little bit nicer. That's all just a little nicer. And so we hit up Roy's and when we get there, the lady, uh, the, the hostess does this move where she goes, do you want to see a menu before I sit you down? Cause we said, Hey, can we get a table for two? You know, the way I work is if somebody goes tape, when I say table for two, that means I've determined that I'm going to eat at this restaurant. You know, unless I get down and I open up the menu and the only thing on the menu is a bag of dicks, like I'm going to eat at the restaurant. And so I, um, 
you know, she did that move. You want to see a menu first, I guess, maybe because we weren't like fancied out. Just had like jeans on. I had nice jeans. They weren't like, they weren't designer jeans. I didn't have Nick Diaz, like cool ass jeans. I just had jeans, you know, and uh, I don't even remember what I wore for my shirt, for my top. Girls wear tops, guys wear shirts. I don't remember what I wore up top, but it was something. Uh, but we had a nice a nice dinner, and when we left, um, we went next door to the parking garage where we had parked next to the restaurant, and the attendant happened to be, most of the time, these parking attendant guys, they are one step up from a carnival worker. Like, literally, they that's like, you know, you get, when you're in the traveling carnival, if you can get a gig as a parking lot attendant, like in the city, that's like a step up. But this dude that helped us was really nice, actually. He he let me know that my battery had died when he tried to move the vehicle, which kind of sucked. And I'll get to that. But he, he said, hey, man, your battery didn't start. Your car didn't start. I had to jump it. It's over there. You might want to be careful. And he goes like, hey, what time? Because we told him we were going to the John Mayer concert. And he actually suggested we just leave the car there. It was already paid for. It was like 15 bucks. You could park it, you know, for as much time as you wanted. But the garage closed at 1030 and the show started at 730 and there was no opening act. So I thought, damn, you know, if he doesn't come on stage at 730, if he comes on stage at eight or a little later, this could go late. This could fuck some shit up. It might not work. We, we might not get back to the garage on time to get the car and I don't want to leave the concert rush to get an Uber jam. You know, that sucks, man. You want to watch the whole show. So. I said, fuck it. We're going to try to start the car and take our chances, which we did. And it started. And so we drove over to the Chase Center, crossed the Lefty O'Doul Bridge, drove past the uh, AT&T Park. I don't know what they call it now. Pac Bell, AT&T. I remember when it was just Candlestick. The Stick. That's the old, old stadium. But we drive by where the Giants play ball, and uh, we keep going back into that whole new neighborhood that's essentially been created. <laughs> that's pretty awesome to see, though. That neighborhood sprouted up pretty quick comparative to other neighborhoods, and, you know, couldn't find parking anywhere. And we're doing this thing where it's like at 7, the show starts at 7.30. We're like, we got time, we got time, and it's just car after car. It's so fucking slow. And you got to loop it around and everyone's doing the same thing, man. It's like a bunch of dudes, you know, at a fucking nightclub where there's a hundred dudes and there's six girls and all these guys are just like sharks swimming around the ladies. That's how we were looking for parking spaces. We're just like circling and circling and circling. And it's just time is just clicking tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. And we realize this is going to take a while. And we might not be, you know, this might be fucked up situation to park. And so I pulled the, the, the OG man card move. I said, look, I'm going to drop you off right up front and I'm going to go fucking park the car somewhere. Like, and I might have to trek back, you know, like fucking Daniel Boone here or Lewis and Clark, depending on how far I park the car. So just sit tight. As soon as I park it, I'll shoot you a text or buzz you and let you know I'm on my way about how far out I am. And so I drop Stella off. I start driving forward. I hang a left on one of these side streets and I find a metered spot. It just fucking opened up. Actually, it was open and there were do not there were no parking tow away signs on the spot. But I got out and I read the actual. It was one of those like uh, temporary ones that they just handwrite and tape up. 
and the concert was on the 16th. The sign was for the 17th. Apparently, people weren't reading that particular sign, so they weren't parking there. And so I swooped up that spot, man. It was close. It was good. I got it. Great show. Too many motherfuckers on their phones. Like, I don't understand how you go to a concert. Let me, and I know this has been said before, but fucking nobody, not even you, nobody's gonna watch your stupid ass grainy video from the John Mayer concert. Nobody cares, dude. It's fucking lame. You're wasting your time doing that shit. You're literally wasting your money. You're wasting your time. You're wasting the experience. But people do it anyway because they're dumb. There's a lot of dumb fucking people in the world now. So many people on the phones, man. Ridiculous. But it is what it is. We had a great time. We left. Fired the car right up. Didn't even think about the battery issue. And we, boom, we hauled ass out of there. And uh, we drove back um, over the bridge, Bay Bridge, really pretty at night. The new span looks really nice the way it's lit. Cut through Oakland. You know, you get across the bridge, you start heading south. You start going through all those East Bay towns like Hayward, San Leandro, San Lorenzo, all that shit. Start sliding down a little closer. You hit the 580, uh, you know, interchange and you start heading east. And now we're talking Dublin, Castro Valley, Dublin, Pleasanton, and I'm looking at the gas gauge, and I'm like, damn, it's getting low. Either we're going to like make it home, at a, we'll probably get home around 1230 a.m., somewhere around there, and Stella, you're going to be on empty, and you got to get up at like 6 in the morning and go to work the next day, or I could just pull off and like Livermore, tank up, and then we'll just head the rest of the way. Take an extra 10 minutes and fucking easier. We're awake already. Let's just do it right now. So I get down to going going on uh, 580. I'm in Livermore. I'm heading east towards Stockton. And I get off on the first street exit, which is, I think, the next to the last exit before you hit the Altamont. I think Velasco is the last exit, the last exit before the Altamont Pass, which is a big pass. If you're not familiar, the Altamont Pass is like our version of the Grapevine, right? It's a big pass you got to drive over to get to the other side. And um, so we do that. I stop and get gas. And when I stop to get gas, the fucking car won't start. And I'm like, God damn it, the car won't fucking start. And so. I shouldn't have turned the the car off, you know, but I wasn't thinking. I've kind of forgot the battery is fucked up. And generally, like, it's a big no-no. You don't leave your car on while you're getting gas. Yeah, it kind of makes sense. Could be a safety thing, you know. So I'm like, fuck. So I got gas. I tried to start. It wouldn't start. I sat for a couple minutes, tried it again. It wouldn't, wouldn't start. You know, it's like, it's after midnight. You know, it's Livermore. It's not super dangerous. Not like Stockton. Like, fuck, dude. If I'm in Stockton, like, it's fucking on like Donkey Kong if I'm at a gas station at midnight, right? Livermore's not like that. There's a dude in a truck. Nice truck. I walked over to him. Fat fuck stuffing his face, too. Like, just, he looked like he was shame eating. Like, I snuck out to McDonald's and I'm eating. Nobody knows I'm here. And I said, hey, man, I, I know it's late. I'm sorry to bug you. My wife and I are coming back from San Francisco. We're trying to get to Stockton. I know I'm that guy now, given the story. Oh, I ran out of gas. And I don't, I don't, I'm like, look, I, I'm not trying to get money. Um, uh, I just, um, I need to get a jump. And the guy's like, no, nah, I can't jump you. My car has too much electronic stuff in it and I don't want to fuck it up. No jumps. 
So I was like, ah, fuck. He's all, but my mom owns a tow truck company. You could call him. I felt like saying, fuck your mom. But I didn't because I'm a black belt in jiu-jitsu. I said, thank you, brother. God bless. I love everyone. You're mixing your foods wrong, bro. Then I um, called AAA, got home. It worked out okay. We made it back in one piece. But yeah, a little frustrating, but a little fun, man. So it was a, a pretty good week so far and been getting good training in. And I want to talk about a little bit about, you know, training in class during the week, just in your regular day to day, your, your normal standard garden variety training sessions. I want to, I want to talk about that because I feel like there's so many agendas going on in a sparring session. There's so many people with so many different ideas, so many different goals. And depending on where you're at and who you're at and who you're with, it could be really good or really, really bad. Class uh, this week has been going pretty good, man. Um, you know, I, I noticed I'm the kind of grappler, and I don't know if you guys are like this or not. Um, I'm the kind of grappler that gets tapped out a lot. Like, I, I don't know if that makes sense, but I always feel like I can be competitive and be pretty decent and, and sometimes better than at other times. I just don't have a strong, like, I have to win at all cost motivation when I when I train. And I, I think it's because I always view myself as a martial artist first and a competitor second. And so in my brain, like competition's always something a little different than, um, than everything else. If that makes sense, like being a martial artist is definitely different in my brain than being a competitor. And I think sometimes that being a martial artist kind of hurts you competitively because I'm, when I'm doing jujitsu, man, I mean, this probably sounds lame, but it all sounds lame now to be honest with you, but I'm not thinking like I have to win. I have to beat this guy. I'm thinking, where is this going? Like, where's this role going? What's the story? What's being told? What am I going to do? And what he, what is, what is my partner going to do? And sometimes what my partner does is more interesting than what I'm doing. And I'm intrigued by it. And I want to know not so much that I'm like, Oh, here, tap me out. You can have it. But more so like, I'm not pissed if you do something pretty cool and you tap me with it. Or if you, Get me in a nice setup or if you crush me and you fuck me up and you you shut my shit down and you put my game on lock and you tap me out. I'm still intrigued by that. For me, that's learning. I mean, there's don't get me wrong. If I do some dope shit on you and I shut your shit down, fuck your game up. I'm pretty happy about that as well. That's learning also, 100%. The problem is that that kind of learning generally feeds the ego. And the problem is that when you win in a fashion like that, it's not a problem, but but the, the danger, I should say, it's a better word to use, the danger, is that... <sighs> You can learn when that happens and you do learn and it's valuable and you need that and you get confidence, 
you build up your skills, you you get your timing down, you start to learn that you can you can trust your your submission chains and your escapes and you kind of know what you're made of in in the good sense like what you're capable of, what you can do, right? To know that is really really valuable. It's it's really important to know what you can execute. But to know what you can't do is just as important. The problem is that knowing what you can't do generally means you lose. And losing generally means the ego gets a little check. It's like a bank account and you're actually taken away from the ego. The ego is a bank account you want to keep at zero, right? Or, or not very high, man. Little bit. The charges to keep that account, the service fees... That your life has to pay to have a real fucking giant ego account, to have a big fat ego account, the service charges that your life has to pay to keep that, they're so fucking expensive. Too much. It's too much. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. But it's hard to tell people that. So when you win... You got to be careful, man, because the, you know, you want to win, you make a deposit and all the cool, cool shit. But if you're not careful, man, you'll fucking, you'll slip a little bit and you want to make a little deposit into your ego account. Ooh, going to put this check in there. Going to fatten that ego up nice and wide, bitches. Yeah, man, that the service charges are coming, man. Guess what? You're going to fuck up. So you want to, you want to pull out of that, man. You want to make a withdrawal. And losing makes that withdrawal. Losing does. If you learn, if you think, if you pay attention, if you're focused, if you're into it, if you're exploring it. This is for martial artists. This is for competitors. This is for everybody, really, when you really think about it. Like, you always want to win, but where you are at is where you are at. And you need that exposure. And so I guess sometimes I get kind of caught up in that. And, I, and I've enjoyed stepping back a little bit and just watching that process and seeing that process. And it's fascinating. And sometimes it sucks because I'm like, dude, why am I getting tapped out by this purple belt? You know what I mean? Why is this happening to me? Why is this guy fucking me up? I want to beat everyone in the room, but it's really hard, man. It's it's hard. It's just it's tricky. And yeah, especially when you get older. But but anyway, you can learn a lot more from your sessions if you're very open minded about it, and you just you're just learning. You're, you, I, and sometimes I go in with this intention. I'm going to try my good shit. I'm going to try to make it happen. I'm going to try to get taps. I'm going to try to, sometimes I, I try to play perfect. I'm not, I'm not going to try to lose any exchanges. I'm trying to win every grappling exchange, every grip fight, every arm drag fight, every angle turn, everything. I'm going to try to capitalize on every single one with impeccable timing, with intense focus, with perfect application of weight distribution, hip movement. Not just balls to the wall, bull in a china shop. I'm going to mow everyone down and grind my elbows in their face. Not not necessarily trying to do that, you know. Sometimes I go in and I go, look, I'm going to try to be super fucking sneaky defensive. Like, here's my strategy tonight. I'm going to go in and I'm going to let this dude take mount, side control, back control. Like, I'm going to let him just 
really get after it, and I'm going to try to Houdini it. I'm going to David Copperfield this. I'm going to let him gas, and I'm going to try to catch him as part of my escape or try to catch him in these bad positions. And that's interesting, too, and you learn a lot of cool shit when you do that. I'm just saying that's kind of where my mindset's been. And I've, and I've been like, damn, I get tapped a lot. But I, I think that's why I get tapped a lot and also because I suck. Those two factors, when you put those together, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Duh. Uh, dude, what's up with BJJ Fanatics? I'm starting to feel like BJJ Fanatics. Hmm. Got some shit going on. Not too sure about you, BJJ Fanatics. They're everywhere right now. Who's running BJJ Fanatics? I think it's the Kasai people. No, I like BJJ Fanatics. But, dude, if I see another John Danaher fucking ad or Gordon Ryan's special guard passing, we get it. Bernardo Faria, we get it. No, I, I love all you guys. I'm just messing around. I just noticed there's a lot of BJJ Fanatic shit out there, but it's actually pretty dope because before that, all the everything was scattered everywhere, man. Like You didn't know where to go to get good shit. Now it's kind of starting to line up in one spot, which makes sense. Huh. It's interesting to me that there's more people in the jiu-jitsu world, I think, starting to work for the work together as long as it serves everybody, like as long as they also get something out of it, which makes sense when you think about it. Cause you know, there's a lot more negotiation, um, uh, power, a lot, a lot more negotiating power when you work together versus you go everything on your own. I'm going to make my DVDs. I'm going to sell them on my websites. It's all going to be mine. It's mine, mine, mine. That's been the jujitsu model for a while. And it's like, everyone's fighting for the same, piece of the pie and when you start leveraging that hey let's work together to grow a larger audience to command more dollars to do more and the longer run, that it generally works out better and we're starting to see you know the rise of professional grappling it's been around for a while but we're really starting to see it blow up so i'm pretty pretty stoked about it um part of that rise of course, is Shugio, which is pretty dope. If you haven't checked it out, you need to check it out. And, uh, man, there's some cool shit going on with it. And I think it's unique because it's it's presented in an artistic fashion, but it's also very, um you know, very satisfying to your competitive palate to watch two guys get after it and watch cool shit. I think that there's fun in going back and watching matches that you already know who won. Like, okay, I'm going to watch, you know, Hodger Gracie and Jacques Array, or I'm going to watch, you know, Holetta and somebody, I don't know, right? Some legends or whatever. I'm going to watch Eddie Bravo, Hoyler Gracie, just to watch it, to study it. Check it out. That's cool. It's like going back and watching Michael Jordan play basketball or watching Joe Montana play football or watching Willie Mays play baseball or, or whatever, right? Um, so that's that's interesting stuff. But the way this is presented is, you know, I know the event has already happened, but the results are kept under wrap. But the way it's rolled out is pretty cool to watch. 
because there's a artistic drama to it that kind of builds and it's entertaining. It's not just I'm watching jujitsu. I'm just I'm watching guys do jujitsu. That's all I'm watching. I'm watching dudes do jujitsu. I mean, you are watching guys do jujitsu for sure, but you're also kind of watching a story about it at the same time. And so there's a little more to it. And the way you learn one of the, one of the most profound ways to learn things in the sense that um, it, it sticks and it stays with you. It's super effective is when you learn through stories. And when you watch these events, you're watching a story, you're much more likely to enjoy it and actually remember what you watched. So it's pretty cool, man. I think you guys should check it out. And we are going to chat with uh, one of the big players in Shugio, Phil Schwartz. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more Inside BJJ. The most innovative, no-key submission-only tournament on the planet. Shugio, Shugio, Shugio. In, 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 www.youtube.com slash Shugio. S-H-U-G-Y-O. H-U-G-Y-O. The Shugio Invitational is a one-of-a-kind submission-only tournament. No time limit. All submissions legal! If you're a fan of submission-only grappling, you need to check out the Shugio Invitational. We're talking the best eight men on the planet getting after it. A new episode drops every week. It's produced. It's cut. It's exactly what you want to see. All right. We'd like to welcome Phil Schwartz to the Inside BJJ Podcast. Phil, thank you for joining the show. Uh, been following the Shugio Invitational, and it's heating up. Coming down to figuring out who the finalists are, man. I know Nathan Orchard's in the finals, and he's been tearing it up. Uh, but a little bit of uh, drama, a little bit of uh, emotion, a little heartache, a little uh, a little victory, right? A- agony of defeat and the uh, glory of the victory uh, is playing out, man. It's 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 working out real nicely on on these episodes, bro. Yeah, thank you, man. Appreciate you guys having us back on. Um, it's awesome to be here and, and talk to Inside BJJ and talk a little bit of Shugio. Um, you know, when, when we started Shugio, um, you know, when we laid out the rules, everything was designed to make a rule set that could not be gamed. You know, just there was never going to be an incentive to stall. There was never going to be an incentive to win any other way but going out and tapping your opponents as fast as humanly possible, you know? And so in, in bracket one, um, that's basically what, what happened. I mean, we saw two different versions of that. You know, we saw Nathan Orchard come out and really kind of methodically um, take people apart. And, and something that a lot of people have, have pointed out about Nathan's style is that, you know, Nathan's been, re- he, you know, he's really willing to give up position in this format but he doesn't care because he just wants to get into a scrap with you. And once you guys start, you know, once they start grabbing each other and they get into that clinch, then Nathan tries to take over and, and, and wins. And so, you know, Nathan's matches have been going about five to eight minutes each. 
Um, and, and, you know, and he's not always in dominant position in those matches, but he's always coming out with the win. You know, he's tapped every single one of his opponents. Also on that side of the bracket, you know, we had stud grapplers, we had a lot of stud grapplers, but we had, you know, stud grappler Jordan Holy. And, you know, Jordan came out and kind of did the opposite. You know, he, he spent, man, he, he, you know, he tapped both of his guys in like less than two minutes, you know? And so he was just lightning, lightning fast coming out, submissions, heel hooks. Um, so, you know, those are two great ways to play the game. Um, unfortunately, you know, in the match of Jordan versus Nathan, Nathan actually ended up heel hooking Jordan. And so Nathan will be proceeding to the finals from bracket one. Now, over on the other side of the bracket, again, this is a, one of the really interesting things about the Shugio rules is that because it is a round robin format in round one, everybody got an opportunity to have a match with every single person in their bracket. So what we have in bracket two is essentially a three-way tie. And it's really interesting. It's like a little bit of like a, um, a little triangle here. But we have, we have Keith Krikorian, we have Max Roshkoff, and we have Ethan Krellenstein. And all three of them have scored two submissions, um, tapping each other and other people in the bracket. And so moving into episode seven, um, you know, we're going we're gonna to work through the whole process of how we determine who gets to go to the finals from bracket two. It's it's pretty outstanding the way that it has worked out for, for a couple reasons. One is it, it adds drama to, to what's going on, right? Because the way you shot these matches is you shoot them like episodes. And I think that the drama kind of lends itself to that format much better. Uh, so I, I really like I like the fact that, you know, we got a three way tie here and it also kind of uh, shines a big light on jujitsu math where people go, well, I beat that guy and that guy tapped that guy. So I should be able to tap that other guy. But it doesn't right. always work that way because now you got a bracket with three dudes who have submitted, got two submissions each and they have submissions over each other, which is pretty fascinating it, it, to see. It, it, it. It's totally interesting, and and it comes. It's it's you know something that's also really interesting that um that comes out. I think actually this is in the last episode in Shugio episode six. Um, you can see this, but you know um, Max Roshkoff, and you know who he's the dark horse of the tournament, right? I mean, he's a purple belt under Drysdale. Um, obviously, he's a Division One wrestler, but you know in terms of jujitsu, he's definitely the dark horse of the tournament. And he comes out and he says in his interview, "Man." To be honest, I didn't know who Ethan Krellinson was before we competed. He's like, I had no idea who he was. <laughs> so, so I came out with the mentality. I'm, I'm quoting Max word for word. Sure, sure. He's like, I I came out with the mentality of I'm gonna gonna smash this guy, you know, because he didn't know in his head who Ethan was. You know, he didn't give him any respect. He didn't worry about it. And then in the same breath, you know, Max says, "But man, Keith." I mean, I've competed against him, you know, my gym, we know his gym and damn, I knew he's really tough, you know, and, and Max even says, you know, that mentality doesn't lead to his best performances. He does best when he has the mentality of I'm going to come fucking smash this guy. And so, you know, it's really interesting because Keith was able to beat Max, um, and by Darce and Max was able to beat Ethan. <laughs> By Darth and Ethan ended up beating Keith um, yeah. by rear, by rear naked choke, and so you know, and, and and we see that dynamic too because you know this was also a rematch between Keith and Ethan, and so it seems like in the mental game, you know, 
Ethan might have a little bit of an edge over Keith just based on their previous matches. Um, and, and Keith's been fighting, you know, to get that edge back and Max, you know, he's kind of coming in, not really knowing who everybody is and just kind of performing kind of, you know, kind of, uh, you know, raw, you know? And so it's a, that's, that's really interesting to me. Just like you said, how the jujitsu math works out. Yeah, it is. And I'm, I've been really impressed with Max just watching his interviews and his approach and his mindset coming into it. Really impressed with, with, with his whole package there. I think he's doing really well. I think this is a really neat way. Obviously, you know, people know who Max is, but on the jujitsu side and the, in the submission grappling, it's a really nice way to showcase his skill set and, and what he can do. And he's, he's doing pretty damn well on the flip side of that. You got a guy like Keith going in there who is, you know, almost like the opposite of max. He doesn't come in with like, I'm going to tear all these guys up. I'm going to rip their heads off. I'm going hundred percent. Like Keith is very reserved and pretty chill, pretty nice guy. Like he's the guy you would, you would have house sit for you when you go out of town. Cause you know, he's not going to have a big party and he's not going to jack all your shit up. You know, you know what I mean? Um, I would, I would a hundred percent, let Keith uh, watch my doggies. Right, I would. I would give Keith my my bank card and say like, "Hey, yeah. dude, keep your eye on this for me." Like, I just feel like you know, you could give him the keys to the vault. It's going to be okay. Your your stuff's going to be there when you get back. Um, Max, I don't know. No, Max is a he's a pretty tough. <laughs> but but what really was you know interesting to me was seeing Ethan Krellenstein's performance, and you know he kind of I think his who did he fight in the first round? Was it Max? Was that his first match, Max and Ethan? Uh, I think, no, I think it was um, Josh. Josh, okay. Okay, so just kind of watching Ethan's performance, he, you know, he he didn't talk a big game, like I'm going to smash everybody, but he didn't come across too reserved. He just went in and kind of did his work, and he's doing pretty damn well. He looked really good against Keith, and the emotions were so high in that match. Yeah. I think, um, I think Ethan, um, I mean, I think that for, for a lot of people coming in on paper, Ethan is the, um, Ethan is the favorite to win the whole thing. You know I mean? Yeah. Ethan has, Ethan has the most experience in tournaments. He's beaten a lot of really big names. He's competed on a lot of really big stages. Um, I don't think that, you know, in any way the Shukio stage is intimidating to Ethan, no, you know? No. Um, and I think that we see that, you know, again, like you said, like he's not, he doesn't really have a lot of bravado. He's, he's, he's clinical. He's surgical. You know, he's, he's coming in just to do work. And, um, and, you know, and he got caught by Max and he didn't expect it. And, and he got caught off guard and he learned a lesson and that happens, you know, that happens in, in martial arts. But I think, you know, outside of that match, his performances have been pretty dominant. Yeah. I feel like, you know, people say like, act like you've been here before. I feel like that totally. perfectly describes Ethan. Like this is not his first time on the stage. You know, he's very, very professional about his approach. Um, I was watching his match with Keith and, you know, he gets the the submission on Keith with the rear naked choke. He had he had that, you know, rear naked in a few moments before and it was more across the face. And and it looked like, oh, shit, he might even get this. But he kind of let up regrouped and reattacked and got it. And I wanted to ask you, you know, obviously we saw this big emotional kind of I, I wouldn't, I don't know if emotional is the right word, but you, you know, it's, there's so much work goes into grappling. It's such a grinding, hard game that 
these guys put so much effort into you. And when you yeah. win, it's amazing. But you know, everything you do on it's, it's you're on your own. Like you have a team, they help you get ready, but you win and you lose on your own. And Keith lost a, a really tough match. And you know, you could tell it impacted him. And I just wonder if the previous match that Keith had, which was the marathon match. And I can't remember who that yeah. was up against. Was that was Josh. Josh is sweaty and crazy. And Keith pulled it out. Like in the end, he pulled yeah. it out and then to come back and you're probably feeling good and then you can't pull it out that's got to be like a huge roller coaster like a giant high and then a giant low how much time elapsed between those two matches um we made sure that they had you know quite a a little bit of time you know probably over half an hour 40 minutes same day same day right all same day all everything everything we've seen in shugio so far happened in one day Every match, it's it's a um, it's amazing the 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 ride that an athlete can be on where you could go like super high like I just won this marathon match where they had to stop the match to dry the stage off to dry like to change gear it was so intense and then you come back and you fight another intense match but instead of coming out on the top you come out on the bottom that's gotta right. really mess with your head man that's gotta be really and tricky. Like, if you think about it, you know, if you think about it, think about it this way, okay? Because we were talking about the scorecard earlier, yeah. right? Think about the scorecard going into episode six, okay? This is going into episode six, right? Going into episode six, Ethan Quellenson has one win and one loss, right? He's beaten one guy and he's lost to one guy, okay? Going into episode six, Max Oshkoff, he has one win and one loss. Right, he's beaten a guy. He's lost to a guy. Going into episode six, Keith Krikorian, he's got two wins. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he's all Keith has to do is win one more match, and he's guaranteed that spot in the final. You know what I mean? So it's it's it's. I mean that's that's like the end of the day. And you know, just when we when we broke out the brackets and we saw how it was going to work, and we were looking at the page, and we knew. We knew for a hundred percent that the last match of the day, the last match of the day, after all of this hard work, was going to be a rematch of Ethan versus Keith. We were like, "Oh shit, dude! That's what, <laughs> that's what we're gonna. That's how we're gonna finish this day. Is Ethan versus Keith? Holy shit!" And like you know, it, like you said, like grappling is very much a single person sport. And you know, to Keith's credit, like I mean, again, like I remember. I remember when um, when Daniel Cormier broke down crying in the octagon um, after he, he lost a tough tough match to John Jones, you know, mm-hmm. and and some people on the internet were like trying to kind of make fun of him and blah blah blah, and then a bunch of other people came out and were like, "No, you don't get it. You're actually a piece of shit for trying to laugh at this guy. This guy has put it all out there and has." has has done everything that you can do as an athlete. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and the thing that most people don't understand, you know, a lot of people are just casual grappling fans or casual grappling practitioners. You might practice, you know, you might go to the gym four nights a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You think you're pretty hardcore. You know what I mean? These guys, these guys that are in this tournament, they're training three, four times as much as that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I do. like the yeah. amount and, 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 and what people don't also understand is like the amount of sacrifice that comes with that sacrificing 
time with your family, sacrificing. You know, Keith talks about how he's got a he's got a cram for his finals for school because he spent so much time prepping for grappling. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we 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 give it all up, you know, and we sacrifice our lives to to try and get to the top of this thing. And so, yeah, it hurts if you don't get there. It hurts when you fall, you know. And we we have a lot invested in, you know, as as athletes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and I've been in that position feeling that same way. And that's with, you know, me not even being at that same level on that same stage. I've I've competed and put tons of work into things and you're practicing and you're sacrificing and, and when it doesn't turn out the the way you the way you've trained for it to turn out, it's hard, man, cuz you question so hard. you question why the fuck am I doing all this? You know, <laughs> that, that's the thought that goes through my head. But generally, once that emotion passes, it's like, OK, time, time to get back up and get back out there again. Yeah. Uh, so and I was I was so excited. And so just to piggyback on the Cormier story, if you go on the YouTube, Shugio, uh, YouTube.com backslash Shugio, if you go on there and you look at episode six, you're going to see a huge outpouring of support yeah. for Keith. Yeah. The people love Keith. <laughs> the <laughs> people do. love it. They you know do. what I mean? Yeah. And and you know what else is funny? I told these guys when we started, I said, hey, look, you know, there's only going to be one champion today. There's only going to be one winner. But the way that you conduct yourself, the way that you fight, you might lose every match and, and have a whole bunch of new fans. You know what I mean? Yes. And so I, I think it's interesting that, you know, coming out of this round, you know, people are hyped on Keith and people are hyped on Rafael Domingo, even though they're both coming off a loss, yeah. you know, but it's not just a question of winning and losing. It's a question of how do you conduct yourself? And so we have guys that are, that are showing the world who they really are and, and getting a lot of love for it. You know what I mean? Win or lose. Yeah, for sure. And, and I want to, and I want to make sure, I know we got a little bit of a time crunch, but I want to make sure that we highlight, cause we haven't talked about it how damn impressive Nathan Orchard is. And um, I mean, not just in the Shugio matches, we're going back to like his combat jujitsu matches. Everything this guy's been doing lately has been fantastic, man. I'm a huge, huge fan of Nathan Orchard and just watching his approach, his sequences, his timing. He looks like he's having fun. He's loose. That last heel hook that he landed in his, uh, in his last match there, that was off of like, kind of like a, I'm going to jump for this guard guard pass. I'm going to try to just fly over his legs. And the dude brought his, uh, his knees in. I can't remember whose opponent was. Uh, I apologize. Um, and that was Jordan Holly, Jordan Holly. That's right. And, and he, you know, he got that in, Side heel hook, it landed in nicely, and Nate just ripped into it and got it. It, it was a beautiful thing. Um, I really feel like Nate is uh, is coming into his own here, and it's really nice to watch that. A hundred percent, dude. I mean, Nate Nate has been on the competition scene for a long time. He's one of these journeymen who's been just putting in time, putting in time. He's been in. I don't know if there's any single athlete that has competed in more EBIs than Nathan Orchard. He might be the most EBI competition wow. of any athlete because he's done all the 155s and all the 170s and combat jujitsu. So, impressive. So crazy. And, and so, you know, and for so long, and he's in EBI, you know, it's, it sucks because I mean, you know, in, 
he's gotten second place three times in EBI. Yeah. Is one time in combat jiu-jitsu recently against Cody Steele. And it's always the same way. It always goes the same way against Nate. It goes like this. He comes out there like a savage. He taps three dudes in regulation. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. He gets to the he gets to the finals and then he loses in the in the rules. You know, he loses in the time. He loses in overtime. You know what I mean? He loses on the escape time. I mean it's it's heart it's heartbreaking, you know? But that's one of the reasons why I think that this format works really well for Nate because he knows that's not gonna happen. And he knows how tough he is and he knows how hard he is to tap. And so he's willing to get into it with these guys, you know? And whoever, you know, whoever Nate ends up facing in the finals, it's going to be a fucking firefight. It's going to be so exciting because yeah. all of these guys, all of these guys want to bring it, you know, and all of these guys want to win, you know, and the way that I don't know if we talked about this, but the way that we're going to determine who goes to the finals from bracket two is based on fastest submission times combined. So whoever, whoever taps their opponent faster goes to the finals. Nice. Right? Nice. So we're going to, so, so we're going to either yeah, see Ethan, Max or Keith face Nathan Orchard in the finals. That's essentially kind of what we're looking at. That's correct. That's correct. And, and that all of that build up and, 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 uh, the matches are going to all happen in, in the last episode of Shugio, which will be airing on Tuesday. Nice. Um, nice. That's, that's Shugio, Shugio episode seven. And then, um, we will start, uh, the hype, the hype train for Shugio season two. Oh shit. Has that been recorded yet? Or are you still, is that still underway? I can't, I can't tell you anything. I can't tell you anything. All, all I, all I can tell you, all, right. That's what makes it good. I, I it makes it. It good. I'm like, God damn yeah. you, Phil. <laughs> all I can tell you is that it's going to be fire. And don't, you know, don't expect us to slow down. Expect us to go bigger and crazier in season two. Well, you guys, uh, you know, you're doing fantastic with season one. Your vision, I I feel like, I feel like I, I feel like I have a, an idea of what you're trying to do. And I feel like you're doing it. Like it's pretty cl- It's never, you know, when you have an idea, you're like, I want to do this. And then you actually do it. It's never like a hundred percent, the exact way you thought it was going to be. But I feel like the result, the product that you put out there for the first time, it's pretty damn good. Phil. like it looks good. It comes across to the viewer. It's easy to watch. It's fun to watch. And I like the fact that if you want to go back and, you know, detail through every, you know, piece of a match and you can go back and do that it's 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 pretty brilliant you weave in the interviews from the athletes really well so it's relevant it makes sense and and it answers a lot of questions like sometimes when you're watching a match i'll go like i wonder what this dude was thinking like why did that why did why did he do that like i think when uh when nate uh, i'm sorry when keith fought was it max that he had the marathon match with Oh, that's uh, Keith versus Josh. Josh, I'm Bacala. sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's right, Josh. You know, when Josh kind of like folded at the end, I don't know if that's the right word to say, but it felt like maybe there's a little mental lapse at the end of that match. It was interesting to hear him talk about it and give you his perspective. And it's like an immediate, fresh perspective. He's still sweating from the match and breathing heavy. 
You know what I mean? He didn't have four days to think about it and come up with some fancy no. way. It's like immediate. It's a raw response. And that's the same thing with Saul Keith. The camera follows him down the street and he's sitting by a fucking recycling container, you know, sitting on the ground with his head down. Like if, if, if that's not raw, then I don't know what is. So what you guys I are mean, doing that's, is dope. That's as dude. real as it gets. That's <laughs> as real as it gets. Absolutely. You know? It is, man. Dude. Thank and you. Like, so- Go ahead. Oh no, no. Just the last thing I was going to say is like, just to your, to your point about, like, I'm not, um, I just need to say again, you know, like this is not a, a one man show. There's a lot of people contributing sure. to this, you know? And, um, you know, my partner, Bam Lionheart, um, you know, the zebra Athle- athletics, mad ritual, all of our sponsors, Dr. Sara, keep me fight me. Um, but also I feel like in terms of vision, other people are getting it like yourself and the amount of people that have reached out to me and that keep reaching out to me and companies and different people and saying, Hey, we want to be involved in the next one. We have this idea. We want to contribute. We want to put this up. You know, it's like people are on board with Shugio, you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm loving that. And I just want to keep the love going to these athletes because it's their story. You know, it's their story and it's a great story. And it's a story that we never hear in a normal jujitsu tournament because we don't get those interviews and we don't get those behind the scenes and we don't get that emotion. And so, you know, we want to keep telling their story and that's what Shugio is all about. Yeah, it's it's dope. You guys are doing a great job. I want to remind our listeners, you could check it out on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash Shugio. That's S-H-U-G-Y-O. You can also go to theshugio.com for the official website. Get completely up to date, and if you and if you haven't been following it, this is a great binge watch. This is like an easy binge watch on a Saturday afternoon, a Sunday morning. You could you could cycle through these matches on YouTube and have a nice time, get caught up, go through the whole story arc, which is pretty pretty dope, man. Hey, thanks a lot, man. Let's get back in contact after the finals. Uh, I'd love to get your feedback on that. Maybe we can get a couple of those guys on and uh, and kick it around and, and and get their thoughts on it. They they would love to do it. Like, you know, like at the end of Survivor, when everyone comes back yeah. on like Oprah, yeah. you know, and let's they're, do all, it. they're all like, let's do it, dude. Let's do the Shugio recap. Fuck yeah. I'm down. <laughs> that sounds great, Phil. Okay, man. Hey, great talking to you. Thank you. Have a good one, brother. Later. Young Ye, you icy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. You are listening to Yay Beats. This is Coop Effect. Nice work. Young Noah. Producer Noah on the music now. Doing real nice work there. Man, what a great talk with Phil Schwartz. Super looking forward to checking out Shugio. Shugio, Shugio, Shugio. Nah, man, Shugio's dope.
Hey, I want to check out uh, some funny-ass Reddit shit. This is the time of the program where we go to Reddit. All right, here we go. Uh, First question. This is posted by Iris225. Do I just suck at BJJ or people are too rough? I think... What you meant was, do I just suck at BJJ or are people too rough? Hey, guys. I've been training BJJ. This is beautiful. Here we go. I love it. Every message always starts with a profile. Every time. I've been training BJJ on and off for almost three years now now due to work and business commitments. I'm a girl. 165 centimeters, 72 kilograms, white belt with two stripes. I joined this MMA gym, world-class athletes, great coaches. Whenever I would roll, 80 to 80, 80% of the people I roll with are comp enthusiasts. They go hard. They try to match the energy to not get submitted or choked. I had enough of being treated like a rag doll. I think there's a difference between technically getting the submission versus yanking and forcing the submission, which happens most of the time. Also known as jerk Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Am I just shit or does this happen to everyone? Do I just get over it? Is there a jiu-jitsu gym that's more friendlier and they don't try to injure or hurt you every damn time? Okay. Here's the responses. Wow. Um, Look, man. This is what you're going to have to figure out. Jiu-jitsu is a rough sport. You're literally learning how to choke people and break their fucking arms. This is what we're doing. You get that, right? So because you're trying to choke someone or break their arm or break their leg, they are going to fight you back. You're going to fight them back. There's no clean, easy way to choke somebody. I think this is the thing is maybe this is what's going to become apparent because this was actually my problem. For a long time in jiu-jitsu, I failed to realize that just because we were grappling didn't mean that it wasn't still a fucking aggressive fight, that I was still fighting this person. Like, I know, it's not a fight, it's a BJJ match. I get all that, all right? So don't get your panties on a wad, people. But what I am saying is it's still pretty fucking brutal, this is not Instagram jiu-jitsu. Instagram jiu-jitsu is presented like you don't even get your gi dirty. It's just a series of like we slap hands, we fist bump, and we roll, and it's technique, counter technique, technique, counter technique, technique, counter technique. It's not like that. I mean, maybe if you're in an art of jiu-jitsu commercial, that's how it works. Or if you're watching a highlight reel. Of Cobrinha or Marcelo Garcia. But I get, you know, those guys, you know, you know how much those guys get injured? Jiu-Jitsu's fucking brutal. It's brutal. Like, I'm not trying to scare any of my students off, but I tell them all the time, Jiu-Jitsu's really, really hard. It's physically and mentally demanding. And the reason why jiu-jitsu is so fucking amazing and cool in the first place and has so much street cred and the reason why it even grew to the point where people even want to do it is because it's fucking hard, man. It works, it's effective, and it's not easy. It takes practice. It's not intuitive. 
for for ninety percent of the ninety nine percent of the people that do jujitsu, it's not intuitive. If I go, hey, what would you do if I did this? They always have the wrong answer. Show me how you get up if you're on the ground. Show me what to do if someone's on top of you. What would you do if somebody was on the side of you? What would you do if somebody was on your back? What would you do if somebody grabbed you from behind? If they grab your wrist, they grab your leg, they grab your arm, they grab your head, they grab your waist. It's not intuitive and that's okay. There's nothing wrong. You don't have to get it. Like there's no grading that says, Hey, on your first day, you know, you were dumb. You didn't know all the moves already when you got here. So fuck you. You're an ignoramus. Like nobody's thinking about it that way. It's not a race to see who could get the best, the fastest. Like, I guess you can get super competitive that way, but it's a martial art and it's, it's hard. It's brutal because you're, it's, it's based in reality. It's, it's, it could be really soft and easy if we, if it goes the route of like just super soft point fighting, like, like no contact jujitsu. That's why people have such a beef with a lot of martial arts. Not all martial arts. There's some real dope martial arts out there. There's some real, real, real martial arts out there. But then there's some silly ones too, or some ones that, you know, the competition side has become, has such a strong influence over the martial art as a whole that the whole martial art, it just kind of gets shaped towards the competitive aspect. And it's highly, highly, no, it's highly influenced by point fighting. And so that's when you have bullshit. You know, people barely touching each other. Just, oh, well, if it was real, this would have represented that. And that would have represented this. Jiu-Jitsu doesn't have any of that. There's a couple few things you can't do because it's illegal. You know, we're not going to bite and scratch. I'm not going to punch you or kick you. Uh, I'm not going to put my fingers in your eyes or your mouth. I'm not going to pinch you, pull your hair, try to break your fingers. I'm not going to twist your ears or your nose. Like, you know, there's a certain level of, of etiquette there. But, you know, outside of the big bad knee reap and spine twist in some spots, IBJJF, you could do everything else. And it's, you know, it's rough. There's cranks and compressions. And, and the reason why tapping exists in jujitsu is it's a mercy plea. It's a mercy plea. Don't let me die. Don't break my arm. You had a match. All right? Like you stood before the judge. and You pled your case. You and your opponent, you pled your case against each other. On the mat. And the jujitsu gods made a ruling. And that ruling was you ended up in an armbar, bitch. And you could accept the finality of their ruling and get a broken arm. Or you could plead for mercy and tap. You're pleading for mercy. Please don't break my arm. Tap, 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 tap. And the great thing is, is mercy's always requested and it's always granted. It should be, <laughs> at least in most places. So now, nah, I don't know. I think, look, I'm not trying to talk shit to you. I just, I just think if people really are being too rough, I guess maybe there's size aspect differences. Like maybe you're smaller than your partners. And, and as a result, you're constantly being overpowered or pushed around. 
But in general, like too rough, I don't know, man. Because I, I kind of thought, oh, this guy was being a dick to me like when I first started. This guy put his arm in my throat. That guy cross-faced me. He just squeezed my head the whole time. Oh, man, that guy just grabbed me and squeezed my body and made me tap. And and what it was is I wasn't hardened for the sport and the martial art. I just, everything fucking hurt. Like, if you grab my head and squeeze it, it, it hurt. I thought I was going to pop off my head. If someone, like, compressed me in their guard around my ribs, I thought my ribs were going to break. I thought I would be hospitalized, unable to work. So my body wasn't hardened. I didn't know. I didn't know. Now it's like, ah, squeeze my head. Eh, I know about how much I can take. I know about how, how far we can go with this whole face crank, this can opener you're doing this whole elbow in my temple or my 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 thigh on the inside of my thigh this whole neck crank ideal this motif this fascination of yours with cranks and twists and cracks i know about how much i can take now but yeah jujitsu is rough so i would say uh no you don't suck and people are not too rough you're asking the wrong question you're asking the wrong question. The question should not be, do I suck at jujitsu? And the question should not be, people are too rough. The question should be, what do I need to do to harden up? That should be your question. What do I need to do? What do I need to do? I don't know what you need to do. Just keep going to class. Don't worry about it. I don't know. Whatevs. Who cares? Next question. Instructor repeatedly constricting abdomen chest breathing to submit repeatedly advice. Burnt S. Burnt Schmert. Burnt Schmert. Burnt schmert. Okay. Sup, fam? New white belt here. I could tell. I have a great instructor looking for advice on how to handle one situation he keeps putting me into. I'll tell you what. Don't let him know you're on Reddit. When rolling with him, he inevitably gets on top of me with me on my back in a side control position where his side is on my abdomen, and I think his arm's behind my head. That's called a cross face. From that position, he will constrict and flex into my breaths, slowly constricting harder and gassing me out, giving me practically no room to breathe. He just keeps squeezing tighter and tighter. He'll pulse it as hard. He'll flex hard on my inhales to gas me out. He will not advance his position, and he'll continue to constrict until I tap. After bumping fists again, he'll put me in the same spot and do it again till the roll's over. He's done it to me for three times now. I flex my abdomen to make some room, but his flexing outlasts mine. I only flex when he is flexing. I roll to my side when I can, which relieves some of the pressure. Helps save me some energy from ab flexing. But again, he resumes and flexes. He taught me one technique to grip the gi behind the shoulder and put the forearm on his neck. Then from there, put the feet close to my butt and bridge. Oh, yeah, he's got to escape. But it wasn't strong enough to break out. It's hilarious that he keeps getting me to tap by squeezing me. I'm curious, what do you think? Yeah. So... I think this man, I just think he's fucking with you, dude. Look, he showed you how to escape and you're not doing it. 
Okay. You're not building the frame. I don't know why anybody hasn't, I don't know. I haven't read all these answers, but look, you already have the answer in your question. You answered it already. It's in the fourth paragraph of this question. That's five paragraphs too long. It says, he taught me one technique to grip his gi behind the shoulder and put my forearm on his neck. Okay, what, what, what he's telling, what you're talking about is you're describing a frame. Then from there, put your feet close to your butt, yes, and to the side and bridge and push with that frame. So you got to bridge and push, big bridge, get your ass up off the mat, bridge into him hard like it's a fucking fight. Like if you don't, he's going to suck all your air out and you're going to die. Unless you tap and plead for mercy. He showed you what to do. The reason why he pulses his breath and goes, <laughs> or whatever the fuck he's doing and constricting you. He's trying to get his point across most likely. Hey, dude, how come you're not building a frame? If you get that frame under my chin and you get your other frame across my hip, you're going to be able to bump and move and wiggle and you'll make more space to breathe. And besides, when you're breathing, don't breathe into your chest, my friend. Breathe deep into your gut. He's constricting your chest. You're breathing up high. You're shallow breathing like a baby. I think babies belly breathe. You're breathing, you're, you're breathing up high like a millennial. You're filling your chest up. You're puffing up because you got a participation trophy. Fill the gut up with air. Build a frame. Bridge like it's a motherfucker. Start sliding your knees in. Get your shins inside. Touch your knee to your elbow. Frame out, dude. Yeah, you're going to get it. Just stick with it, man. I'm serious. This is good for you. You're going to have a great laugh. You and the blokes are going to have a great laugh someday at this jolly old mate. All right. Avocado NFS. Triangle choked by an unclean person. Uh, okay. Jew much? An unclean person? What are you, a Pharisee? You're part of the Sadducee sect? You're part of the Essenes? What the fuck are you talking about? You one of the, the Maccabees? You one of the minor major prophets? Unclean? What are we living in the time of Deuteronomy? Leviticus? Numbers? An unclean man who had his foreskin still intact triangle choked me. And now I have leprosy, and they have put me outside of the camp. No, okay, sorry, man. Got a little Old Testament on you. Triangle choked by unclean person. I'm new to BGJ. Yeah, you are. <laughs> unclean. I fucking love it. Had a guy come to class tonight. Not sure where he was from, but his English wasn't great. That's racist. I'm not a racist. Anyway, got his name and found out he's been doing MMA for two years. Cut. A long story short, got paired up with him for the dreaded, the dreaded triangle choke technique. He was bigger, stronger, had great technique. Anyway, he kept getting me with the triangle and I was forced into his crotch, which 
absolutely stunk. I am the type of person that doesn't talk negative. When it come when it came to sparring, I desperately looked around for another partner, but was forced to roll with this guy. He could tell I did not want to roll with him. I could turn this whole thing into a bit right here. I, I fucking, I could hear it. Th- this could be a new segment on my show, on the show right now. Like we could just have someone act it out. Like just hear the audio for it. Avocado NFS, get your ass over here. I desperately looked for a partner. I was forced to roll with this guy. You could tell I didn't want to roll with him. But instead of saying no, I bit the bullet. You bit the balloon nut. And now I have his stink all over me. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you do, man. You do. And he's unclean. You fucked up, man. How'd that work when you got home? You saw your dad. You knock on the door. Benjamin, is that you? Yes, Father Eli, it is me. Mama Cohen comes up and lets you in. Oh my God, Benjamin, you have the stink all over you. His stink. Should I have spoken out or should I have gone to Reddit and just made like a more passive aggressive post and blew this guy up and asked for advice? No, I'm just kidding. It would have been super awkward as we've both been waiting with no partners. Everyone else has paired up already. Yeah, man. You know what, dude? That's also an unfortunate part of the game. Um, again, jujitsu's tough. We're trying to choke each other out and beat each other up. The people that are attracted to doing that are not always 100% the most clean people. I've noticed this and it does suck. And I can tolerate some gee funk like a little bit hey we're training man i get it it doesn't offend me a little bit a little bit ah eh, you got to smell okay whatevs it can't be like full homeless man fucking ass smell like that's too much i've had that happen once or twice that's a fucking flagrant foul and besides like how do you not know you fucking smell that way if you're not a bum I can see if you're a bum, you're out on the streets, it's just your musk. It's like, it's just street musk. The whole fucking street smells that way. Everybody who's on the streets, they all have that smell. Street musk. It's street ass, man. It's the fucking way you smell when you've been in the same clothes for eight days. Street ass. A new documentary on Vice. Street ass. But, dude... Your partner shouldn't smell like street ass in jujitsu. So, I mean, there's some stinky guys and sometimes there's some people they don't, you don't realize they stink till you get right up on the butt part and you're like, oh shit, like fuck. You're like shit yourself today? Like fuck, what? Did you shit your pants today? Like you smell like shit. Like that's gross. Man, I don't know, dude. I don't know what I do. I've had to have rolls with stinky guys, and it does happen. I just try to gut through it most of the time, you know. 
I'm at the luxury now of being a higher level in jujitsu. And most of the time, not all the time, but like 99% of the time, I can just kind of dictate what we're doing anyway with these super stinky dudes. Now, what would be fucking scary is if like some fourth degree monster fucking black belt came in and he smelled like bum ass and wanted to roll with you. And just proceeded to fucking get mounted triangle on you for six minutes and just sit there. Work out of it. Just grinding. Just like itching his butt on you. Just sitting on you and like doing that thing like he's like a dog scratching his ass on the carpet. Guess what flavor of acai I had for lunch. (laughs) I don't know. I shouldn't have said that. That's so disgusting. Dude, that's a great one, though. I mean, that's part of jiu-jitsu, man. Unfortunately, nobody's going to tell you that. But I'm going to tell you that because I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm the consciousness of jiu-jitsu. I'm in your brain. I'm in your ears. And if you keep listening, I'm going to be in your thoughts. And then we're going to have a nice little party. Hey, thanks for listening, you guys. Uh, I really appreciate it. I think you guys are dope. You can check us out uh, inside BJJ on Instagram. You can check us out inside BJJ Podcast Facebook. If you're in Stockton, check out 10th Planet Stockton. Always hit me up. I love you guys. I love jujitsu. I love everybody.
Welcome back to the Inside BJJ Podcast. Hey, um, I love me some Keith Kerkorian, man. That guy is outstanding. I want to thank him for coming on the show. Before we close here, I want to remind you guys, you can check us out on Instagram. Go to Inside BJJ, Facebook Inside BJJ Podcast. Download the Inside BJJ app from your app store on your on your mobile device, you could listen to all of the episodes. We give you the last 50 for free. And if you want to go past that into the archives, you got to have a premium subscription. It's a buck 99 a month. Gives you access to the full back catalog. And it helps me keep the lights on. Just a little bit, man. Just a little bit. I'm out here. I'm hustling for you guys. I'm working it. I'm running it, man. I'm the hardest working podcaster in the jujitsu game. But seriously, man, please spread the love. If you like what we're doing, if you like this shit, if you're digging it, let me know, man. I appreciate you guys. I love my life. I love jujitsu. I love everybody. I'll see you guys next time. Please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Subscribe and tell your friends.